This is the first part of the 8th podcast of the Basics of Software Engineering course. And in this podcast lecture, Professor Tommy Manist from CerberIT is going to tell us about software architecture. Good morning, everyone. So my name is Tommy Manist, and I will start this first hour give you a little bit of background to software architecture to get, get started. So I start with this picture to show you a little bit of the context for, for this course and and here you can see this is the, uh, our curriculum for software engineering. There are only the courses for basically for software engineering we are giving here from SoberIT. And these ovals here with numbers are the places where we teach software architecture. So we are at the moment here, this is the first or so encounter from our teaching in software architecture. We give here, you here some initial understanding what software architecture is about, some motivation and things like that, and some industrial perspective by Juha. Then we have a software development methods course. There we have all, we'll go into the, some simple kind of a software architecture design, try to give you some idea of, of software architecture design. Little and then you should be able to, with that information, you, can, you could see a simple architecture design within the software development project. So, when you take it as a bachelor level, you take it as a developer, typically, or tester there. And the idea is that you can see software architecture a little bit in the, in the work. The projects we have here are not that demanding in, in terms of software architecture design, but anyway, there's something there. Then we have the actual course on software architectures, which is, which is the, supposed to be actually the main course, and it is it should give you, if you take that, then these are basically the, those who take the software engineering as their major, they can choose this course. And with this software architecture course, they should be, should have be qualified or equipped with some more to take the task of a software architect if they take, when they take the, this project course in a senior role for the second time. And then we have had actually with Juha, so now three times run a special course on demanding software architecture design on, on, on quality attributes that are, are highly, highly conducted. And that has been in a, in a small seminar. Actually, we have written one paper and published about that course. So it's, that's the most demanding course, and we may be working towards making it more, more as a, a regular course in our curriculum. It's currently being run under several, several seminar codes. So that's, that's to give you that. So now we are starting here with some motivation and this is the, in a way a path a software architect can take in our, in our teaching. Next. Do I have to press that? No. Oh. Press the left button normally. Oh, sure. Thanks. <laughs> Very good. Oh, getting hands with this technology here. So this lecture, what I try to convey with you is some motivation about uh, behind software architecture design. So why why are we doing that? What what's what's the point in in a big picture? Then I give you something about the what is software architecture, some some idea, some role software architecture has has, and uh, I'm go I'm not going to go in any detail with software architecture design, I'm going to try to convey you a little bit about what, what are 
the, course, the term called architecturally significant decisions. So this should be, in a way, give you the mode or set, in a way, in the mode which you should be doing architecture design as an architect. And that's basically and as a more or less a prerequisite for, for the role of an architect. What, what an architect, what kind of role an architect should take in, in software development. And then if we have time, time I have a special example about one kind of a kind of a architecture, architecture which is variably managed within software product families. And let's see how much we have time left here, how, how deeply we go into that one. Okay, let's go to the motivation first. So we start with a little, little bit of an analogy for, for from uh, an architecture of, of uh, normal things or, or this kind of a building a dock house is, a, is a one way of doing something you might build that in a manner that you just do it. You start, start, doing, start doing things and and if something comes up, if you, you have a problem with your doghouse building, then you just go and fix it and you figure out something going on. So the mode for building a doghouse is very much good one is just, just doing it. You don't need to use CAD tools or make project plans for that. Of course, you can do that, but you don't necessarily need it because you can simply do it just like that. But then if you take something like that, I know I could ask this, this question, this is a rhetorical question, but if there are anyone bold enough to say that, okay, you should go just doing it with this kind of a building. I don't think so. So there's something different in, in this, this one. You don't just start doing and fix while you're going if something goes wrong. And now we could actually think a little bit that what are the fundamental differences with between this one and the doghouse. Why is this more difficult? What's, what's fundamentally makes this that you, you wouldn't use this, okay, just do it approach? What do you think? Go ahead, please. Size. Size, that's a very good one. That's, a, that's obviously the first one in, the ter in terms of, okay, this is bigger. And, and then you can start, start thinking about, is the size actually, it's a fundamental, okay, if you think, could you build a dog house of this size just by doing it? Would you? Could you? Shake your hand or nod, depending which way you think. No. No, you wouldn't. So size clearly matters. Even if you build a dog house of this size, you need it's you need something else. It's it's more difficult. Okay. Are there other characteristics in this building you think? in addition to size that would make this, that you, would, you wouldn't just start doing it, that are different from, from the doghouse. Anything else that, it's just poorly the size because it's a bigger, bigger thing. Of course, the structure is obviously much more complex. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's just not just that simple, simple thing. What makes it complex, more complex? Why is it more complex? Why, why did they do it like that? Why didn't they make it like a doghouse? Just to make it look impressive. Yeah. That's one, one in the, because you don't need to make your, okay, of course you can make your doghouse look impressive, but that's not that important. In this one, that was major factor in a way. 
just to make it look impressive because they wanted to make it as an icon for the city or something like that. That's that's certainly a distinction between between the two. Anything else? If you think in a way as a as a reason when you start designing these things, you need to take into account that are more difficult than you need to take into account when you design your dog house. Any particular qualities this should have and that are not that important for a dog house? Examples. Can you, can you come up anything? Okay, you. Okay. Safety. Okay, that's a very good one. Safety. Okay, anyone else? How is safety important? More important than that one. In what respect? What kind of safety? Anyone? Okay, you go ahead. It collapses more people will get hurt. Exactly. Yeah, that's one thing. You have to take that into account in this one. You have to somehow be more careful when you decide that if your dog house collapses, well, you might, it might hurt your dog, but it probably won't even kill it. So th there's a so there are clear distinctions between this one. And what about the interior? Anything special about the interior, for example? The, it, has, it must have special acoustics. OK, that's a good one, yeah. There's a, there's a special requirement for the function of this house that it should have certain kind of acoustics, but again, are not that important for a dog house to have a good acoustics for, for playing symphonies. So these are just in a way, examples, and now we're picking up there, that why this is difficult. First thing is, of course, that comes, up, comes into mind is, is the size, but there are several other issues why you wouldn't start doing this as, as such as it is. So you can, in a way, summarize that when you are building complex things, doing just doing it or building and then fixing, it is maybe not the approach. And actually, well, now we are talking about complexity here, but there's another term called risk in achieving something, and that's probably perhaps a more appropriate terming for what's difficult. Because if you have done 100 of those Sydney Opera houses, maybe the next one is not that complex for you. You don't need to build everything again if you are, if you are doing exactly the same one. So the complexity of it's, it's not. The complexity of the thing as such that we makes that in a way makes you think more in advance and will plan more in advance for the thing. It's also also the risk in achieving, which is, which is a good term in the sense that it in a way puts context into that. So it depends also how much you know about things, how much you have experience of doing these things, and how much how much. You, because when you start doing something, how much risk you are taking in that it succeeds or it may fail. So if you start start building the Sydney Opera House and you just can't start building the structure and then see whether it collapses or not, you have to reduce that risk somehow. You, you make some calculations and you take into account issues that, that you don't just build something and, oh, it didn't work out, let's build the next one. And try. You don't go that way, building and fixing it. You just have to have to do some advanced planning for that, that purpose. And the risk here is actually a very good one because that's also related. That's also a way you can see software architecture design. Because now if we turn in from the buildings 
towards software more, you can see that software development, it's in a way complex in a sense. It has been always, it's difficult at least. And what has happened is that abstraction levels have raised all the time. We are building the software in a more, we have, they in a way bigger, we're building them on the higher level of abstraction. We have more tools and frameworks and things like that to you to use for building most of the software. So one way of seeing this, and, and then there at the highest level of that, there's one characterization for architecture. At the highest level of the software system is the, is the architecture for the system. And so in a way you can see, see architecture here as a, as a means for dealing with the complexity of building the system itself. Okay, now if we come back from the situation uh, with, uh, with the buildings more into the software, the, here are some issues that in a way increase the similar kind of complexity we have just discussed with the buildings like acoustics and things like that. So can you think of a system you know that actually has some of these characteristics that is very difficult to get. So there's a high risk that people who start doing that, they, they cannot rely, that they, they just can't start building and fixing. They have to think ahead. They have to plan something ahead. And would that things or software systems that would be complex in the sense that you just can't building, start building them. Can you give me examples? Of system and the quality that would come up, come up, come in your mind, into your mind. Well, if you design medical software or some control software for a nuclear power station. Yeah. And what's the quality? Why, why, why can't you just start doing it? What, what, I mean, what, what kind of qualities are involved? For example, medical systems. Well, reliability is paramount importance. Yeah. And why is that? Okay, yeah, exactly. If, the, if, the, if it's a life supporting system, you have to have some reliability there. Otherwise, you, the, the system might even kill someone. Now, that's a very good reason for me, for in a way thinking in advance how the system performs in the certain situations. Yeah, certainly, very good. Anything else? Okay, so you are so so nicely quiet. So please turn to your next friend with you and, and tell your friend one of these things, one of the systems you think that might have this kind of a quality, quality issue that is important for the system to be built, so that you just can't start building it just like that. Okay, go ahead, talk to your friend, tell your friend something about that, and then, then ask, and then expect your friend to reply with something else, a different system.
Okay, you're making some noise. That's good. That's good. So, okay, what did you talk about? If you don't want to say what you told, just tell, tell for your friend. What did your friend say? Oh, you weren't that, that, that quiet. Come on. <laughs> hey, go ahead. Throw in some ideas. Okay, you go. Good. Banking softwares. There. That should be available. Yeah, <laughs> okay, available. very good. <laughs> yeah, that's... And they should work, which, well, recent effort. Well, there are some examples that it hasn't always been there. Okay, very good. Others? Yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. That's a very good one. Yeah, this kind of area. Did you get anything else? Did you get more exotic? Any one of you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you were there. Sorry. Well, anything you're going to sell to anyone nowadays, it has to be adequate in all these areas, or else you won't be able to sell it. Yeah, that's you have to find a certain level for them at least. Okay, that's a good one. We can go actually on with this one. If you think think of one of them, take. Performance. Now, you you might have a certain requirements for performance in, in different systems. And can you think of a system that, for instance, it's extremely important, and system that it's less important? Examples of this kind of how, how or or if you start like this way, can you think of a system for which the performance is not important at all? You don't have to care anything about that. You can ignore it totally. Your tic-tac-toe game. What? Tic-tac-toe game. Yeah. So it's okay, okay? Anyone else? I, do you agree with, with him? That with the tic-tac-toe, you can ignore performance entirely, totally. Nobody's going to play tic-tac-toe game that's sluggish. Okay, that's a good point, yeah. So basically, what do you give an, you give an um, example of a game or, or application for which it's, it's not that important to have any? But still, there is an opposing argument that, okay, you have to have some uh, response from the game. So if, if you get the response, like in a it's kind of envelope chest that you get next week, your response, that, that's not perhaps going to be a successful online game at least. So, okay, so there, there, are, there are these applications for which it's very little importance. And that's one thing we come back to later. So how about most demanding ones for performance? Have to be very careful. Everything that actively controls something. Yeah. Okay, okay, we already had that example here, like aviation. So if you are controlling an airplane and, and then there, you have to have, you have this kind of hard deadlines there. You have to meet them. If you do something, some maneuvering, it's very good if their system responses appropriately. Yeah. Special missile gunning Yeah. So if you want to hit the target, yeah. Because otherwise it might hit something else. Yeah, sure. Okay, but anyway, the idea here is, the point with this discussion is, okay, there are, the performance is perhaps some importance to every system, but there are, there are different levels of importance. And that's actually a, 
one issue that you have to think about and take into account, and we come back to that a little bit later on. Now, let's go on with, with the general definition of software architecture, which is basically we have a, a, it tries to keep the big picture of the system. Make the big decisions about the system and, and what are the main components, how, how they are relate to each other. Components can be, they are these big things, the architectural elements sometimes calls or, or someone might call in some context, they are modules. But if it's not the small components, it's just big things that make up the fundamental organization of the system. And it's not only that, it's also, also the, no, now I don't have a pointer, okay. Oh, oh, there's a point. So it's also, oh, now, I was supposed to come, damn it, I can't get back. Oh, let's stay here, sorry. So it's also not, not only about the system as such, but there are also these principles for guiding the, guiding the design. So in a way, how you do, you plan in advance how you do this. You don't just go in there and you just do it and, or build and fix. You try to figure out that how are you going to go up with design. You perhaps set some constraints for the designers. Okay, you should do your modules this way or error, error handling this way. And also, it should include the evolution of the system. How do you maintain the system? It's not, not only about the first, first issue or first release of the system. You just also typically need to take into account a little bit longer than, than that. So these are general definitions from the standard. There are others, but this is the one you can work with. Hmm. Why are we going backwards here? Oh, now oh, again, I'm in this mode again. <laughs> Very good. So the role of the architecture is basically to provide the overall structure, document these early design decisions and why they are being made. So what is this, in a way, planning ahead before you start doing it? And very importantly, it enables the communication. And that's the important thing that, is that you should understand, of course, what are the critical characteristics. You have, and that you should get from your, your stakeholders. What do they want? And then other issues that you should also communicate this building, designing to the developers, how we are going to do that. Okay, let's go with the architecture design with this one. So this is a, now the picture what we've been talking about here. So what do you basically have here? This is a simplified version. You have a problem domain where comes the needs and the things that you need to have in the system. And on there, in the solution domain, there you have the context for a system and your actual system you are going to, going to build. So basic idea is that, of course, you should, here should be some need for your system. Someone is willing to pay for it or someone wants to use it or something else. And they have some needs and requirements and they want some features they are willing to pay for. So that, in a way, gives you the requirements for the system. And then you can see that when you go into the solution domain, one of the first things is what you have to figure out is this software architecture, that you do make those big decisions in advance of that what are the things related to, you know, these, uh, like in the architecture, like how, how, how can you make the thing stand up and things like that. So that's one way of seeing architecture is that the first thing you have to think about is this, are these architectural decisions. And here is just to show you, I'm not going to go into details with this one, is 
It's a, there are different kind of stakeholders you have to take into account, not only customers and users, but also some other third parties and your own organization and things that come from, from there. And they, they give you some concerns that what should be in the system, how should it perform and requirements, but they also give, give you those qualities and some constraints that, okay, you have to use this technology and then you have to work with that. So you have to, there are, in, in real life, there are quite many of these constraints that you need to work with. So you are not working in the, in the open world. World. And that's just to give you an idea that you have to take, you have to figure out which one of these you need to take into account and how, how you, in a way, address their, all their concerns. And the one thing about this is that, that you have to make the decision or the distinction. We, we are talking about this performance here, as a, but for some systems, it's not that important. You have to basically ignore it because for tic-tac-toe game, if you don't, mess up entirely, you can make it perform good enough. So it's not an issue. In that, that sense, the answer that it's, it's not important for that one is a good one because it's not perhaps an issue. You can always make it work fast enough unless you are making very, very difficult algorithms behind there or whatever. But, and that's what is behind these architectural decisions. It's, made that, okay, this is the thing. And that, that, that relates to the risk. So if there's a risk in achieving something, you are not sure how you actually going to make sure about the performance of your tic-tac-toe game or your aviation system, then it may be an architecturally significant requirement for your system. And you should, and then this means that you should concentrate on that one. So even though there are quite a many of those requirements, you, you can't, take them all into account and design for all of them at the first time. The idea in architecture design is to find out those that are architecturally significant. They are the ones that if you make a wrong decisions with, with them, they are very difficult to fix. You can't fix them just by programming a little better. So if you, for an example could be that if you have a mobile device and server, if there's some functionality, you have to decide which way you put it, whether you put it in the mobile device or in the server. If you make a wrong choice, it may be very difficult to move it from one to another, quickly at least, because you may need to reprogram it entirely because they had totally different programming environment. So that's just an example. There are others related to qualities. It may be that if you design your AVSS system totally with wrong tools and wrong, wrong approach, you can't come up with the required performance simply by a little bit tweaking the code here and there. There are typically these architectural significant decisions are in a way cross-cutting, that they don't only, only matter one component, but they go throughout the systems. You have to take, you have to change many things in the system. So they, they cannot, that, that's a typical, they, they cannot be fixed in one, one place. You have to, in a way, if they, if you fail with them, you have to, go through a major reorganization in the, in the system. And they are, they are the ones that typically either preclude or enable the qualities of the system, those, those important qualities. Okay, now we have a term for these decisions the architecture should make. And the question, of course, is that how do you know which decisions are architecturally significant? Or what, what requirements are architecturally significant? Who's going to tell the architect? 
You have an idea? Perhaps uh, all decisions that uh, uh, are dealing with the interfaces. Yep, they might be important just because you have to do the interfaces. This is one, one way. But if you think there's qualities, yeah, I had a, there's a long list of qualities. And if we think that all those qualities you have to have somehow, for example, this performance, whether it's important for your system, who's going to tell you? Oh, that's a good answer, exactly. And so that's what I have here in the next slide. And that's, in a way, answers the question that it is the responsibility of the architect to make this decision. And which is a little bit full. So, okay, you have to make the architectural significant decisions, and it's your responsibility also to find out what are those issues you have to make the decisions about. So there is a this kind of attitude change, the attitude difference. That you are not, as an architect, you are not given exactly the problem. Okay, there's a problem, solve it. You also have to figure out what is the problem. You have to make sure that you know what exactly is the problem you need to address. What are the important issues? And it's not that you should know. Of course, if you have experience, then you know them. But then it's your responsibility to find out what's your other. Go ahead, yes. Please. Oh, that's a very good point. I think you might have something to say later on about this. This is a very good point because software architecture and requirements engineering, they are closely tied together. Problem is that as an architect, you are you know the technical solutions and you know what, what is hard to achieve. And then the requirements side, they know what is what is actually wanted from the system. And as an architect, you have to make sure that, okay, do you really want that to be that hard requirement? You, ha you have to have this negotiation. But that's a very good point, point in, in there that, but you can't assume that you, you are given those architectural requirements. At least you can't, there are two things. You can't even rely on that they tell you about the quality requirements. They may ignore them. You have just have to dig out that, okay, please characterize a little bit more carefully about this performance. What, should, what are the acceptable limits? Because they might, usually they might easily concentrate on the functional ones. Okay, the system must do these things, but how well it should do those things is you don't necessarily get. Another thing is because they don't know about, about the solutions. They know, know perhaps where you get those performance problems or any other quality problem. So, but that's a very good issue. issue. But again, here's, it's responsible for architects from the solution side to make sure that, that the, you come to the decisions. So we can come back to the role of an architect is actually to identify engage those stakeholders to make, make it happen, to, to get them into the process and get this information that, so that they are actually thinking about thinking about what's really important. And the architect should understand and capture what's in, what are the concerns of the stakeholders. And so, in a way, you, you should do, have this communication between, between uh, those stakeholders, requirements, engineers and stakeholders, and then, then the architect. Okay, then the architect should take to do the architecture, actually. Yes, that's, of course, the main, main responsibility of the architect is to design the architecture. 
and, and then also, okay, Ooh. and then, then there's this one that is that the, it doesn't end there. It's not just when you have designed the architecture, you give it to the developers, okay, do it like that. It's the role of the architecture goes on, on in a way seeing that that architecture becomes realized in the system too. That's the third point over there. Okay, we have a few more minutes in the boat. I'm going to give you a little bit about software product family fundamentals. I hope you have got some idea about, about the role of an architect in a way that even though you are making technical decisions as an architect, it's still very much in a way wake area. You are not given a clear, you can't assume that you are being given a clear problem to solve. You have to in a way, get involved in defining the problem, understanding the problem, and taking responsible for that. And that's in, important in a way, attitude issue for, for the architectures. And then there was a, now we go a little bit on with these perk families. There's a one issue that the complexity, which is variability, and we can take a little bit of a look about that, that and there are highlighted some issues a little bit offline over there, but that's a conversion between the programs. It's Mac and PC thing. That this is only a minor thing here. Anyway, so, okay, just to give you a little bit of an idea what the software product line is, a set of similar systems. So you are making the similar system for example, different markets, different legislations, different user groups. So if a high-end product, you have a low-end product, and you want to make that efficiently. And then, then we start talking about about software product families. And the software product family consists of the product family architecture and assets that you use for producing the individuals. Which I can show briefly with this picture here. So that you have this architecture that allows you to vary. So you have there, sometimes called these variation points. You have designed in, planned in advance, they're located. Now, this is how we do these different languages. This is how we do this, this country's version to, to take into account this country's legislational issues, which are different from those. And uh, this is how we make this high-end product and how we differentiate from this another product, which is a little bit different with less future and we get less money paid for. So that's, for that purpose, you scope, of course, again, you have to understand what is your, what are your variable requirements. So what, what, what kind of different variants you need. And then you should come up with the architectural decision that, okay, which allows you to make this variation. And then when you make these, for example, different language modules here, you should have a place in the architecture where you can actually put that module there and, and everything goes smoothly. The rest of the system knows when you change, for example, the user interface language. Language, it, in a way, knows there are mechanisms for implementing that all over the place. So the idea is that this product family development, so you develop the architecture and develop those assets in order to make the deployment, building single systems or the next product variant, making that easier. So that, and that deployment can, be, can vary from, from that, okay, you get here some initial things and then you, just glue them together, you write some little bit of a code there, you in a way develop your new product based on your existing existing asset, your platform and some, some of the application assets. Or this can be 
in some extreme cases, the deployment can be totally automatic. So you could have this kind of a configurable product that you, you have built the variability for your, all your, your products. And what do you do here? You just, you know, they configure the product to a different usage. And as an extreme, you might, might even start doing that, that in, the, in the manner that you do it on the fly, for example. If the context changes, you change your product. But the, anyway, so this deployment can be many things from, from manually utilizing this architecture and building new products to automatically actually generating a product. The, but the idea is that you need to have the understanding that how we are going to use these assets and reuse them in your future products. And the point being that it, you doesn't rely on that just building assets that others might reuse, that they can reuse. You are actually pre-planning for this, that how you do this, for example, different languages. You're not, you, know, you are not building different language modules just in the hope that, okay, someone would might pick, pick up and build a similar one. But you build in advance, advance in order to make the deployment more, more routine one. So, and the central piece, what this comes to the architecture design is that, that the product family of architecture gives you the, in a way you define what are the explicitly allowed variations within the system. So you, that's the idea. You, so you pre-plan for the complexity called variability here. As for any other qualities, this is a, just one way of doing it. And of course, you have to also first do the talking with the requirements. You have to identify. Because if you try to build something that adapts everything, it's going to be too costly. If you, if you make it too narrow, you build something that you can't adapt enough, you are going to miss some opportunities, some markets, or some customer group, because you have you got distinguished between them. So it's also here, it's extremely important that you get from your stakeholders what kind of a different products you need in your product family. And then there, then there are, this is in a way designing, designing how you do it. And then there are different ways of implementing that. So you first decide what you have, and then you de decide what means you use to implement, whether you use some parameters in your preprocessor or wherever, or whether you, you, you build several different components that you can plug in or interchange, or whether you use, use some middleware to, to hide something in there. So you have different means of, of doing this. Okay, so that was an example of one kind of a, a special kind of a, in a way, complexity you might have and, and you, what you want to take into account in, in your architecture design. And to sum up what these architectures were about, we talked about, about complexity and it was related that you should be able to ensure that the main requirements typically and very, very often there are some sort of a quality requirements that are the most are the difficult ones, that they would, be, they would be achieved when you build the system. So you don't just start building the system, but you do some of the thinking in advance so that you know that the building will go on, that you can build the thing. And it's about, about managing the risk in achieving them. 
So in other words, if you know how to do them, you don't need to pre-plan. So oh, if the system is simple enough, it's a web shop you have been doing for years, you perhaps don't want to use a few months for thinking about the next one again. You just, then you can basically start doing it. Because the risk in achieving what you are trying to achieve is low enough, or you are, trying, you are willing to take the risk because you know the way out, or, or there are other reasons why you are willing to take the, take the risk. Or again here, you is a very good, good issue because it may be that you as an architect are not willing to take the risk. But if you post the risk to your superiors, your, to your bosses, and if they say, okay, no, 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 don't worry about that, we'll go ahead anyway, we have to have this product out. Don't, don't you tell us about the security issues or don't you tell, about, tell us about those possible issues that uh, this system doesn't make. So then they are willing to take the risk. So, and that in that situation, the architect have to be very careful. I'm not sure whether Juha is going to say about that, but probably something about that you need. So someone needs to be able to take the risk and it, as an architect, it's very good if you, you have to understand anyway that risk. And this complexity can be different kind of uh, things like complexity in general, variability, and then there's the evolution, evolutionary issues as well. And the, the, the whole point is that, it, that you, in a way, in a company, you try to make this, making this complex system, system routine one. And you, you, you try to lower their risk of picking, lowering the risk, you can actually make things that are complex because you have one plant and then you can reuse those plants perhaps later on. And the architecture is pretty much about representing this thing. It's one thing that you think it through in your head, but in an organization, it's also very important you be able to communicate that to anyone. So you, you must be able to put these architectural decisions on some form that can be communicated. You have need to draw some diagrams and, and things like that. You, you are going to see some, some examples later on for you. So you have to be able to communicate to the stakeholders what are the risks and to the, to the developers that how they should build the system. And so it's a, about very, architecture is very much about representing and communicating. And actually it's about sharing the knowledge about these architectural decisions. And with that, I thank you.